There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Steve. He's the son of Roger Ellis, a man living with an unexplained brain disease. Let's talk to him. Well, uh, we are sitting here with our new friend Steve, all the way from beautiful Bridgewater. Nova Scotia. Uh, just before the recording started there, we had a little little love fest for, for the South Shore of Nova Scotia. Um, but uh, that is not what we are here to talk about. What we are here to talk about is actually uh, something that, that came up on the show not too long ago, uh, maybe, maybe a two or three weeks yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had discussed, um, a, a, we, we had a little discussion about this mystery brain illness that that has kind of crept up in the Atlantic province of New, New Brunswick here in Canada. Um, if, you, if you aren't familiar with what it is, uh, maybe go back and listen to a, a Feel Good Friday episode from a couple weeks back when we, we touch on it. But we're, gonna we're, get, not gonna tell you, we're not going to tell you what episode it was. So you're just going to have to like, you're just going to have to go back <laughs> yeah. like, and listen to like yeah. 30 minutes or so of a few episodes. Yeah, Skip around what? a bit. I, yeah, I honestly, you can probably, they'll find it. I, I probably should have prepped that because I actually don't fucking know what episode it was that we talked about that one. Uh, but it was, it was recently. And, uh, and this, this like neurological disease uh, that's coming out of New Brunswick is stumping everyone. And uh, Steve, you are sitting here with us today because uh, you don't, uh, at least as far as we know, you don't have this mystery disease, but, um, but your father is one of the, one of the folks who are dealing with whatever the fuck this thing is. Can yeah, you, that's right. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Can, can you, can you give us a little bit of like, a uh, at least from what you know, a little rundown as to, I mean, what this, what this thing is? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier by saying that it's stumping everyone. But essentially what it is, is a brain disorder. So it's slowly killing the brains of those who have it. Um, it presents differently in, in all the patients, but it starts with dementia-type symptoms, hallucinations, delusions, weight loss, aggressivity, um, in my father's case, repetitive speech, memory loss, uh, sleep issues, you name it. Um, and it, the only thing that's common uh, so far with all of the patients, including my dad, is they have atrophy in the brain hmm. and that's continuing to grow. That's the only thing that we know for sure uh, as of today. Mm. Okay. And, and I know that I've read, um, I've read in a number of our articles now that, that there's like a similarity between what, what your father is experiencing and, uh, and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this Crooksfeld Jacobs disease, I think, which is like, uh, which is the, the, the yeah, mat, you butchered like, it, but it's yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> can you, can you, can you correct me? How do you, how I do you actually. I butchered it too when I first heard it. <laughs> how do you I say like it? I like to say CJD, an acronym is much better. There we go. It's, Definitely. It's we like acronyms Jacob. Ah, uh, Jacob. Yes, we we. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> so so uh, uh, C C J D, um, yes. which is which is which is is that? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that mad cow disease or like a like a, 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 a uh, yes? So that's that's a it's a derivative of that. So that's right. where it started, um, and patients present all the symptoms of C J D. But when they're tested for CJD, which is done through a lumbar puncture, it comes back negative. So mm. there's, it's a prion disease of the brain. So it's missing certain elements 
that they would see in CJD. And that's what's stumping them at the moment. Whoa. Right. So when, when they test for that and you said it was a lumbar puncture, are they, are they doing like a spinal tap to like access yes. cerebral spinal fluid? Oh. Yep. So my father has had two of them um, and I helped with one of those, which Whoa. was, oh. I mean, I just happened to be visiting at the time and, and this was early in his disease when he was very, um, like he was moving all the time and they want, of course, if you do it wrong, you can paralyze the person. Right. So they're like, can you try to keep your calm, your dad calm? And I thought, oh my gosh, like if I don't keep him calm, like he's going to get paralyzed. So thankfully that didn't happen. Um, and what did you, uh, yeah, what did you do to keep him calm? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they gave him a lot of medication in advance. I mean, there was certainly some Ativan going on, but all I did is I was at his shoulder. So like he was face down facing me. And I was sitting on a chair and I just kept my hands on his shoulders and his back to physically keep him still. And then was just talking to him, you know, when appropriate. The fluid and that's what they sent away and ultimately came back negative. What are they, what, what is the reason why you are, why you are doing that instead of, I mean, I'm, I'm asking because like, it's like, it's, you know, when you, when you toss something around, like, you know, if you do it wrong, um, you could be paralyzed. I'm like, whoa, why is that happening? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah, I thought of that at the time, but I didn't want to say no because it's my dad and I want to help. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I suppose, I suppose like, um, should professional. Yeah. Yeah. I I suppose, I suppose like a family member is, would, would have a better chance of keeping someone calm than some random nurse that, you know, that you don't know and that, and that you might not trust or whatever. Right. But is it happening in a hospital setting or is this happening at home? And then you Uh, bring like the sample that was, yeah, that was at the hospital. Um, and the second time he had one done, my brother happened to be visiting and they asked him. In reality, if we both were not there at that particular time, they would have done mm. without, right? <laughs> they would have just had to figure it out. But right. they just used an extra tool in their toolbox and they, they know that, you know, at times he was calm with us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but it was nerve wracking, you know, mm. not only that, but, you know, if I, you know, if I'm being honest, like my dad, of course, had to be shirtless. And I have to hold his back, which is weird. I've never done that before. Right. And then I'm looking and I'm like, I have moles there too. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah, right. Making, well, making you know, these like, realizations. That's what was going through my head yeah. while my dad was getting a lumbar puncture. Like, oh, fuck, that's, that's, funny. that's abnormal. But <laughs> yeah. anyway. So in, I, in terms I, of, I'm, I'm curious though, I, I, I want to just talk a little bit more about that for a second because sure. I'm trying to imagine the situation and, and knowing that this is like a, a neurodegenerative condition, or at least they're testing for something like that. Like what is your dad's level of uh, awareness in this situation? Like, is he experiencing like some form mm-hmm. of dementia or like, is he pretty uh, conscious, I guess, or like of a sound state of mind? Yeah. I mean, it, it has gone up and down over the last two years because that's how long he's been sick. Um, Currently, he does have a level of consciousness about it. So he knows that things are happening. Um, he knows that doctors are trying to figure it out. Um, you know, we've told him that he has a, a mystery brain disorder, and he understood that. Um, you know, and even down to, you know, a few months ago when uh, our family decided to go public, we've spoken to some media outlets. And uh, at one point, my picture and his together was on the paper. And he knew what that was for, mm. but it really depends on the day. Like we've had to remind him a lot about different things. Like for example, I haven't seen him in 10 months. I've had to mm. remind him many times why I'm not visiting mm. because of mm-hmm. COVID and the border restrictions. So it really depends on the day, but yes, he does know that something's wrong with him, which, you know, it, it's hard to watch because mm-hmm. he wishes he could be better and wishes he could stop repeating his words and things like that. He says it like, I wish I could be better. But at the same time, we're happy he has that level of cognition because it allows for other moments, you know, that are good, like knowing who we are and being able to talk on the phone and right. things like that. So you, you had said that this this started two years ago, um, and and I'm I'm very curious to know what 
like what the beginnings of this looked like for for him and and your family. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm imagining it was was it like like a slow onset of of symptoms or or was there a sort of sudden moment where all of a sudden everything kind of changed? Yeah, it was sudden. Um, there was no signs in advance. Um, he did not have any neurological conditions before, so it, it came on on a weekend, you know, in June of 2019. So. It started off, you know, of course, I'm in Nova Scotia. My parents and my sister live in Bathurst, New Brunswick. So it's about a six-hour drive. So I received a phone call from dad on the Saturday of that weekend saying that he thinks he's having a heart attack. Hmm. And I thought, well, why on earth is he calling me? Like, I'm the one who's furthest away. So I said, well, what do you mean? And he was saying he's having chest pains. But he was also, like, all over the map. He was very stressed. He was anxious. He was complaining about different things in his life. And it was just the strangest phone call. So I had him pass the phone to my mom. And I said, well, what's going on? And she told me that he thinks he's having a heart attack, but he won't go to the hospital by ambulance. So, And your sister's on her way down because she lives elsewhere mm-hmm. in town. And um, so my, I passed the phone back to my dad, or I asked him to speak to him again. And the next day was their 40th wedding anniversary. So I was trying to calm him down with that, telling him, you know, no problem. You know, things will be okay. You'll go to the hospital. Your anniversary's tomorrow. And he says to me, I don't think I'm going to live till tomorrow. And he asked me to go there. So I left what I was doing right away, got into my car. And uh, I was halfway there. And he calls me saying, oh, I went to the hospital. Everything's fine. I'm not having a heart attack. You don't have to come. Like no concept of the fact that I was halfway there. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, (laughs) You know, so I thought that was strange. But again, you don't analyze it too, too much. Mm. And I, so I still went and he was not himself. You know, he, he showed me things on the wall multiple times. And he was complaining about, like, my mother has unrelated uh, mobility issues at that time. And he would help her with stuff. So he was complaining about having to do that in front of her which mm. was not usual. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the next day I was about to leave town and he called me again and said he was having more chest pains. Could I bring him to the hospital? So I did. And then my sister relieved me because I had to come home and go to work the next day. And I was about half an hour from home uh, in Bridgewater. And I got a call from my sister that he collapsed with a seizure Oh wow! at home. Wow. So what had happened was he got released from the emergency room the second time they thought it was just anxiety, gave him some antidepressants and sent him home. And they checked him out for heart attack and everything, and everything was fine. Um, and yeah, it started off, he got home, he started vomiting, and he couldn't stop vomiting, and he still didn't want to go to the hospital. And as they were trying to bring him to the car, that's when he collapsed in convulsions um, with one seizure. And then he was in the hospital after that, and he never came out. Wow. wow. So I, I, you know, hearing you, hearing you say all that, I know that there's an element here of retrospect in terms of looking back and going, oh yeah, now that I, now that I think about it, it was kind of fucking weird yes. that my dad said that shit in front of my mom. And like, now that yeah. I think about it, it was a bit weird that he like called me. It, yes. Was it, was it the, was it the moment of the seizure that you started to realize like, wait a minute, this is, this is much more this is much more complicated than, than simple anxiety or, or a potential absolutely. heart attack. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the heart attack thing, once that was ruled out, you know, the little things that happened, you know, you know, him showing me multiple things and just not being himself. Like it never struck me that he was having like a medical emergency, right? Yeah. Like he was at an emergency room, he was being checked out, you know? And when I got that phone call from my sister who was, in hysterics because she called me like waiting for the ambulance to come. Mm. That's the moment I thought, okay, something major is going on. And I felt guilty because I wanted to stay, but I had just started a new job Mm. a month prior and I didn't want to like call in and ask for time off. But I had that feeling in my gut that I should stay and I didn't. Mm. So that is something that sucked (laughs) for lack of a better term. But also with retrospect, like we went back, you know, maybe three to five years beforehand and there were little things that would happen that were not in character for my dad. Oh, interesting. But it was never something that we thought we got to call a doctor. 
you know, right. just like different behavioral things. And, and of course, in the absence of official information from the doctors, we were left to our own devices. And yeah, there's a lot of things that we might have missed. And because, because, because this is a, and conti- this was and continues to be a mystery diagnosis that, correct me if I'm wrong, like there's a, there's a, it's basically a, a, a pocket, a population pocket of people in a certain region that are getting this, this mystery illness, right? Yeah. I think, I think actually Tay, it's specifically, it's 43 active cases yeah, in clarify, New Brunswick. Yeah. I'll clarify. Oh, sorry. I think there's a leg. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. I was go just going to say that I, I, I just want to clarify one thing you said is, and this is a common thing for people to say, but it's not a diagnosis because they don't know what it is. Right. right. So it's mm-hmm. just, a, I guess, an identification of mm. cases that are in a cluster that so right. far are only identified in New Brunswick. So they've but identified. Was, that was the only clarification that I wanted to make. Right. Right, so there's this cluster mystery, the, the thread, the, the commonality between everybody that has this thing is that they don't know with those people that what the thing is, but they, you know, imagine, they're, I guess they're, Correct. The, 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 they're imagining it's the same, it's, it's the same thing. Are they, are they looking at um, yes. your father's case and, and, and probably the case of, of everybody else who, who could possibly have the same thing and going, you know, this is something that, he's been dealing with on some level for a very long time. And it's only now kind of like dropped off the cliff where, you know, now there's this heart attack feeling, the seizures, the, the, the cognitive issues, yeah. like we, cause you said, you're looking back, you know, a few years and noticing some strange things. Mm-hmm. Are they telling you that that's, that this has been present for a while? Just, you know, just kind of lingering under the surface. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what they've said. And you know, when this story first came out, um, you know, it was it was a memo that was intercepted somehow by Radio Canada. And, you know, we found out in March of this year that there were at that time 43 identified cases. Now, my father was not one of those cases um, until I reached out to, to the doctor. Uh, and now it's up to 48. And of oh, those wow. 48 oh. and of those 48, six have died officially. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, so that's, that's happening. Um, and it was only five deaths when it was first announced. Now it's six. Mm-hmm. Um, what? so, and, and to, to speak to your point about going back in time, when they first announced the cases, they said that they had gone back in retrospect and was able to see that there was one of those cases that was in 2015. Right. And then the rest of them started popping up in much higher numbers in 2018, 19, 20 and 21. And the one in 2015, they ended up with further research. They were able to trace it back to 2013. Right. Wow. Right. So, Steve, when, so trying to like understand w- what's going on here, like, like I'm sure you've been doing for the last yeah. couple of years. <laughs> I've um, racked my brain a little bit over the last yeah. two years. Yeah. So, yeah. but when I hear, like, when I hear you talk about these um, symptoms coming up, like, I'm, one of the things I immediately think of is, Alzheimer's, like it sounds like mm-hmm. a, it's, it's some type of some form of dementia, and even having forty three people in a place the size of Bathurst that all have Alzheimer's at the same time, that would be like somewhat understandable. But yeah. what makes this not that? Like, why is yeah. it this Alzheimer's? Yeah, and and that's the one thing that these forty eight individuals have in common is all been everything else. So with Alzheimer's and dementia, there are certain things they look for on a brain scan that does not exist on these patients. Right. Um, it's the same okay. thing for uh, Parkinson's. Um, it's the same thing for CVAD, like we've talked about. And that's the problem with this disease is that it shares so many symptoms um, with other known diseases, including you know autoimmune encephalitis. And they were all ruled out on brain scans, cognitive testing, or the simple fact that they tried treatments and they didn't work at all or stopped working. Right. That's all they, they could do. Like my dad was in the hospital for 366 days. Wow. And wow. the only thing that they could do was treat his symptoms, not the cause. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was frustrating to see the frustration in the doctors and the nurses and the specialists' eyes because mm-hmm. that's not what they're used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like they're used to finding solutions and, you know, 
they couldn't. And now it's making sense with all these cases. The reason they couldn't figure it out is because yeah. it appears to be a new disease. It's so uh, bizarre. One of the one of the other interesting things that I think should should be noted here is that the the age range that that people are being affected by this <laughs> yes. is quite dra- drastic. Like we're we're talking like eighteen to eighty five. You know and that that is a yes. that is a very very broad spectrum. You know, and 18? and that's fucking that's odd. That's bizarre, oh. right? That's one thing that I'm glad you brought up because, you know, I'm you know one of the things that I'm currently pressing the New Brunswick Public Health on is to release the age brackets. How mm. many people are affected in each age bracket? And you know, through the Facebook group that I created, I'm talking to some of the affected individuals or their families, and I've spoken to one lady who's 20. And she's spoken to outlets. That's why I have no problem speaking of her here. Mm. And, you know, it's one thing to read a story about my dad who's 63. Like, yes, he's relatively young, but it's a whole other thing to read about and hear a young woman who is 20, who's been experiencing symptoms for almost two years herself. And, you know, I really Mm. hope that we can get numbers released to age brackets because, I'm curious, and I'm sure lots of people are, like, is it just like one 18-year-old, one 20-year-old, and then right. a bunch of senior citizens, mm-hmm. you know, or is it scattered throughout? Yeah, I, I, speaking of speaking of like of, of advocacy and, and outreach, um, you know, one, one of the big things that we've uh, focused on on this podcast for, for the last six years is how important patient advocacy really is when it comes to mm-hmm. advocating for the care that you receive and, and advocating for the, you know, the potential uh, treatments that exist out there that, are, that aren't currently in arm's reach. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, when we talk about something that is undiagnosed, something that is such a fucking massive mystery, I can only imagine that like the advocacy role that you play and that other families that are being affected by this play are, are a huge part in trying to get enough noise out there to, to, you know, put this in the eyes and the ears of people who exist out there so that, so that people actually give a fuck and care and, and, and want to get to the bottom of this. Mm. What, what has that journey been like for you? Like how, how tough has it been to advocate for your father? Um, in, in general. And, and, and on top of that, what has, what has been the reception yep. of the advocacy? Well, you know what, it's been a, a roller coaster ride to say the least. Um, you know, prior to this story going, you know, going public in March, you know, myself and my siblings were advocating for my dad in the hospital. And for the most part, we had a lot of cooperation from the, from the doctors, especially in Bathurst, but there was an eight period he had to go to Moncton um, because the doctor Bathurst recommended he get a PET scan, which they don't have that machine. So he had right. to go to Moncton. Right. And the reason he was there for eight weeks is because they flat out refused to give him a PET scan because the PET scan is, according to them, was reserved for people who have cancer or think they might have cancer. And my father doesn't have cancer. And it came down to me calling my dad's family doctor on a Saturday and getting her to get this pushed through. And only after I, I threatened to go to the media, he got his scan two days later. Whoa, so that was like wow. my little kind of preview into ad- advocating. And then now, you know, I didn't expect it to become this big, to be honest. And, but I, I've been pressing the government and Minister Sh- uh, Dorothy Shepard, who's the health minister in New Brunswick, to be more transparent. And that's been a, a complete side battle you know, since March, and it's still a battle to this day because there's been a lot of things that have come out, a lot of things that have been shared, and we understand that science takes time and research takes time, and they don't have all the answers, but we've been fighting to get them to just share the process with us because mm. in the absence of information, they can share whatever it is they do know as they know it. And, mm. and At least there has the been some kickback. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like communicate with us. And, you know, last week, you know, middle of, or sorry, middle of the week in June, you know, they, they had their first press briefing about, just about this issue with reporters present and everything. And I mean, and we have to remember that this government did not come out with this information on their own. This memo that the public health sent to all the physicians in New Brunswick came out around March 5th. And it was only around March 17th that Radio Canada got it. And 
made a story and they never said anything about it in those two weeks. Mm. And I'm hard pressed to believe they would have said a damn thing if it wasn't for Radio Canada and mm. subsequent it, public it, pressure. I, I, it's interesting. Something that you just said, uh, uh, about a minute ago there that I've ne- like, like Jeremy said, we've been doing this for six years and we've had, you know, 300, over 300 conversations with people who live with illness. I've never yeah. thought, I feel kind of dumb saying this, but I've never thought of the importance of doctors as advocates for their mm. patients. Mm-hmm. I've always yes. thought of it as like patients having to advocate for themselves, but you yeah. calling up the GP in Bathurst to, to get that PET scan pushed through in Moncton, like it is incredibly important for doctors to advocate to other doctors on behalf of their yes. patients. I yeah. Mean, and, and it was, it was crazy because, you know, when, you know, like his family doctor, I mean, she knows him for the last about 15 years. You know, she's the family doctor for my mother as well and my sister. And, you know, she was racking her brain trying to figure this out in the early months. And she, it was her recommendation to get the PET scan. Right. Mm. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I basically had run out of steam trying to convince these people on my own to give him the damn PET scan, um, you know, I felt like, I, you know, I had her, I had her, thankfully, her personal number at that time, like, you know, very old mm-hmm. school, you know, I'm just going to call the doctor on a yeah. Saturday. But yeah. I mean, I had, I felt I had to, like I was standing in Moncton, you know, fighting with them. My dad was going downhill rapidly. At that time, he was the worst he was. Mm. And I was like, can you help me? Mm. And she did. But, you know, she, but still, I, I still had to wait. It was another week or so. <sighs> until we got the test and it wasn't until I lost my doctor over the phone and, and threatened the media and used very colorful language that yeah. she actually <laughs> agreed to do it. And, right. <laughs> you know, and I understand part of it, like the PET scan, it's true. It is usually used for people who may have cancer, right? It's like a, it's, it's a machine that is, you know, I'm sure expensive to use or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be, but the red tape was BS because of the fact that, this is a referral from another doctor. Like, yeah. we and didn't also, just transfer and also, my dad to Moncton for nothing. Yeah, and, and also, how the fuck do we not, like, how do we know that it's not potentially some rare form of cancer? Like, that's yeah. the thing yes. that's so crazy is that it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. It's, it's meant for cancer. But also, we don't know what this is. Like, and like, and, we if, have, you, and exactly. if you watch Grey's Anatomy, you know that it's oftentimes <laughs> it's the least the last, expected thing right. that that's ends up right, being right. it. So well, I, You know what? That's what television has taught us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, if, if it's taught us anything, it's that. I, but, Steve, you know, but, you're, but you're right, though, when you say that. Like, you know, we're joking about Grey's Anatomy, but it's true. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes it is the last thing you need to check that comes up and that's probably a Murphy's law thing, but you know, and the PET scan, it goes like at a cellular level to check the entire body head to toe. So, you know, this was mm-hmm. his family doctor's way of trying one more thing. Cause at that point it was about two and a half months since he got sick and she was running out of things to try. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I was all for it until I faced a lot of resistance. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. I, I, so, you know, talking about advocacy, um, and, and the role that, that you, the family plays the, the role that the, the healthcare professionals play. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm also kind of curious to hear what the response from the government has been, because, you know, obviously when it comes to things that are a mystery and things that could potentially yeah. affect many, many other people, as, as it seems like that, you know, there's a bit of a trend here. Um, the government must have uh, uh, at least their finger on the pulse here. Uh, what what has been there, yeah. or, or or do they? Has there been a response? Has there been any kind of um, movement there? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there has been, but it's been very hit and miss. Right. So, you know, 
I, I'm still not 100% satisfied that they're being fully transparent. But just to give some context, like when Radio Canada came out with this story, um, you know, within a day or two, there was a COVID briefing. And one of the reporters asked the um, New Brunswick uh, Chief Medical Officer of Health about it. And she said at that time, you know, we believe it's environmental. It's only in these two areas in New Brunswick. And that's all that was said for weeks at a time. Hmm. You know, and there was lots of, you know, ignored, you know, ignored messaging, ignored um, calls for answers. And they would, she really, like, and I'm saying she, Minister Shepard, at times came across as condescending because she kept saying that people need to understand that science takes time, research takes time, we don't have the answers. And then all of a sudden in like mid-April, they're like, oh, we're going to release a website that's going to have information. And then that took three weeks of pressing for them to actually release it, hmm. only for it to be a one-pager, which was mostly historical about what they've been doing. And I mean, it's right. evolved since then. Uh, and then just, it's been an up and down journey of transparency. And, and just as an example, this week, I a, after that briefing last week, I, I there were still some questions that were unanswered and they're giving less information now than they were before. So I wrote a letter to Minister Shepard copying Premier Higgs and copying their communications director. And I asked many different groups I'm involved in to do the same. Copy, paste, replace my father's mm. paragraph with your paragraph and send. And I sent my email once a day, every day this week, the so four days in a row. Mm. And this afternoon, I got a phone call from the communications director telling me that they've received my four emails and that she has seen them. And that if she's going to act on any of my recommendations, that he's going to call me. So it kind of was like, stop emailing me. Yeah, right. Without yeah. saying, stop emailing yeah. me. Yeah, right. And, and, so and how fucking it, frustrating is that? You know, that's mm. like. Well, I mean, part of it's <clears throat> frustrating, but part of it's like communication director is calling me. Like, I don't think he calls every, just anybody. Right, right? sure. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's like, okay, okay. But of course, it was kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we got it. We yeah, got well, your message. Well, you know what? I'm sure that they've seen my name cover. Yeah, I'm sure they've seen my name come across their desk since March, and they're like, "Oh, for fuck's sakes, him again!" Yeah, but right. good. Yeah, I yeah, want yeah, them yeah. to yeah. think yeah. that. That's it. Right? That's what it takes. Yeah. That's and what that's it takes what, when it comes that's to what advocacy. Of, is all about. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, and a lot of the stuff that they've, you know, that they've said, like I said before, I'm not entirely convinced would have happened if it wasn't for, you know. I don't want to sound like grandiose or like patting myself in the back, but I mean, I did a lot of work about this and I'd like to think my work is not in vain and the other families that have come forward and, and the media, I mean, the media have been huge in this because they're the ones who have access to press conferences, mm -hmm. access to the, you know, legislature, things like that. Mm. You know, I'm just a citizen stuck in another province because of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we kind of touched on this when we talked about it on the episode a few weeks ago, which actually was, uh, I have it here. It was the episode uh, "Dance Tell Your Dance Tell You're Dead: The Dancing Plague of 1518." It was a segment in that episode. So, if you want, so what do you mean to... you're not going to make people listen to every episode? No, no like, you know what? I probably, I know I, I should have left it. I should have left that. We would have got more <laughs> listeners. Um, uh, one thing I, I that we did kind of we, we we went on this little like speculation kick of like mm -hmm. what could this be from? Like where 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 could this be coming from? And and you did mention there that um that it was it was noted that this is they you know they think that this is environmental. Mm -hmm. Um and I know that this is complete speculation, uh, but that's that's I mean ninety percent of this podcast is based on speculation anyway. So so fucking <laughs> ride with it. Uh, I want to like I'm like I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting true. my conspiracy theory hat on that's nice and true. tight that's here. That's not true. Um, I want to <laughs> know, Steve, from you, like what do you, have you? You must have put thought into like what could this be from? Um, you know, is it the water supply? Exactly. Is it is it the is it the food source? Is it is it aliens? Is it? I mean, that that was one thing that came up with me. It was like potentially aliens. Um, where where has your brain gone? Like, what have you thought about the potentials well, of what this could be? Well, you know what? If it's aliens, take me to your leader. I have questions. <laughs> right. Yeah. But uh, my dad got yeah. sick, and you know what? I, I tend to avoid conspiracy theories. But I mean, again, we don't have much information, so we're left to think. And yeah. you know. They made it clear at that press conference last week that it literally could be anything. Like they're kind of steering away from environmental because they don't want to 
be tunnel vision and focus on that and miss something else, which is good. That's good. But no, I mean, I've, I've wondered because of my, where my parents lived, you know, proximity to the water, you know, seafood, you know, mm. is it something in the water um, like that they drink because they were on a well, you know, my father worked at a mines, like a mining organization for a long time, you know, could mm. it be that? Because that's one place he was that my mother wasn't. Mm because my mother's not sick with this. Right. So, you know, I've spent time kind of, those are the three things, like well water, water, you know, seafood and um, mining. But again, if it was mining, that was a big employer in town. It employed thousands of people over the years. Mm. This isn't thousands of people. So mm-hmm. maybe it is aliens. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, th- I remembered what I was going to ask, and it was actually a, a more thoughtful question than Jared just asked. But anyway, we'll just... Uh, it's, oh, it's the okay. shade of it all. Fuck you, Brian. What I wanted to ask about is, and this is kind of like an open question to, to everybody, I, I feel like maybe I'm missing something here, but when I think about like transparency from government. It feels like government is really never fully transparent with how they make decisions or what they might be considering or thinking about. And I wonder why that is because we're taught from such a young age to be like honest and truthful. And as long as you're, you're, you fully tell the truth, then you're going to avoid any problems in the long term. So what, right. like what, what do they have for, to gain from not telling the truth or what do they have to lose if they do tell it? Yeah. You know, like we're thinking I mean, about these things. We're do, like, here are the steps that we're taking, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, they, they've said publicly that they're concerned about patient confidentiality, which I understand. However, releasing numbers, like how many people per, per zone, how many people in an age group, I mean, that's not a concern with COVID-19 <laughs> for them. So why is it any different for this? I mean, I have my own theories. Again, I'll put on that hat. I mean, the thing <laughs> is, the less they say, the more it makes it seem like they're hiding something. Yeah. And yeah. are they trying to protect someone, something, an entity, a business, mm-hmm. you know, with what it is? Um, or is it simply that they are being uber careful with what they share because it's something that's that could be brand new. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have thought about that a lot and, you know, you, you, you're right, Brian. I mean, we were taught at a young age that honesty is the best policy mm-hmm. and, you know, the things that, that I, on behalf of, you know, the group of us and other families, like we're not <laughs> asking for the moon and the stars. I mean, we're asking for some demographic information that's not going to identify anybody. Yeah. You know, we're asking for the process. Like what are they doing in the background? Like, we're not asking for answers and they, she seems to misunderstand that minister Shepard. Like we, we don't we know that it's going to take time. Like we're not stupid. Yeah. We just, while they're working on that, we just want to know like, okay, what are mm. you doing? Has something been ruled out when that time comes? Tell us about it, you know, mm. and not just the families, but the public, like a lot of people in New Brunswick and these two zones that are affected are very worried. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As they, sh- as they, sh- as they rightfully should be, you know, like mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. it is such a, it, it is such a, a, um, uh, like uncommon and, and bizarre experience that is, that is going on right now mm-hmm. in the, in those locations. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I would, I would yes. be worried too, but also not and every I, piece of information mm-hmm. needs to be fucking shared at a press conference. Like just send out a and note. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. like, keep us updated. <laughs> and and yeah. that's the thing, right? Like we want her to have regular press briefings when there's something to share, like, you know, maybe um, once a month or I don't know, whenever something needs to be shared and, so far, they're saying that they're only going to put updates on the website, which yeah. I'm not accepting. And that's kind of the current uh, fight I'm having is, you know what? When you look at the death rate in this disease at the moment, it's 12.5%. That's like six that's times huge. higher the death rate in New Brunswick for COVID. Yeah. And I'm not trying to diminish one to gain for the other, but COVID mm-hmm. is overshadowing <clears throat> this disease completely. And that's why... I and others are, are trying to be mm. as noisy as we can because yeah. we can't let one overshadow the other. Like public health needs to deal with. They're both, both. important. Yeah. yeah. Like, publicly. Well, that's been, like I know they're doing behind the scenes yeah. work, but they need to, to keep the 
the the public updated and of course the families. Yeah. I mean, COVID has COVID COVID has overshadowed like pretty much everything in the scientific community for the past, for the past year and it's had massive repercussions, but to your, to, to your question, to, to answer, to just chime in on your question that you had there, Brian, the, the kind of philosophical one that you posed there. I feel like the government has such a long, has such a long track record of a lack of transparency <clears throat> that even though the real, the, the realist inside me, you know, says, you know, there's not, there's nothing nefarious going on. It's just like, it's just, it is, it, it's just government being typical old shitty government that like, just goes super slowly and and is very bureaucratic and there's just so many so many moving pieces that turn very slowly but because of that lack of transparency the cynic in me is go i mean it's no surprise that when when there is a lack of information the 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 like societal default setting is who are, are you, you protecting what are you, what are you hiding like yeah, what are you, yeah, yeah. because it very is like right? especially when yeah. especially when a government comes out and says like hey maybe it's environmental mm-hmm. and then you're like so what makes you say that yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know right, like yeah, you yeah. want to know like Give why that like, why exactly. do they elaborate that? elaborate yeah <clears throat> yeah and, and they must have known something enough like even if it was minuscule for mm-hmm. the chief medical officer of health to say on camera that it's environmental. And then now, of course, they're making it clear that it could be anything else. But I mean, like I'm laughing because it's like there's so little information. And, you know, I've never thought that I was the one to like really like, because I've never been the type to like anti, oh, they're hiding something, government's bad. Yeah. But it's like, I really have to like push that down within myself now because they're just not saying much. And, and again, I'm not saying that there's something they're not sharing because Minister Shepard has made that clear mm-hmm. that they're not hiding anything. But I agree with Taylor. Like it is, it's just natural for your, your brain to go to that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've said this like three times already in the absence of information, mm-hmm. you, you, you just, you go to that place sometimes. And I've been yeah. there many, many times in the last, few months especially but but the other interesting thing is like the the last person to know before you know will be minister shepherd like there's a whole bunch of other people who have better yes. ideas of what's going on than than she does and like yeah, er, correct. And, and and like the the crazy thing is that there's not a better process to get that information out which is really what the challenge is because all of information it, in government has to go through somebody which is what takes so fucking long exactly. for it to get passed on. And the reason I just keep name dropping her is only because she is the public face of public yeah, health. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, she's, there's no she's, one else she's that, the mouthpiece. Like, yeah. She's the mouthpiece. And, um, but you know, the other thing I, you know, I will give credit where credit is due. Like about two weeks ago, public health started doing a um, detailed questionnaire over the phone with affected individuals. Uh, if they can do it themselves or their families. And that Mm. takes anywhere from two to five hours to complete. Mm -hmm. And I did mine yesterday. Well, dad's yesterday. And it took about four and a half hours and it was extremely detailed. Like, and it, it, that wasn't, it was not focusing on the medical side. It's focusing on like the epidemiological side. Right. Sure. sure. Where did he live? What did he do? Mm -hmm. What did he eat? Where did he go? Um, And I was very impressed with how detailed this public health questionnaire was and they're doing it with all 48 families or individuals. Right. And it could take up to six to eight weeks. They can only do, you know, maybe two a day because um, they take so long. And they mm-hmm. read all the answers back to you. If there's anything you want to correct or add, you can do it. Like, it's very well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but the transparency of other things are not as well done. And, and that's kind of the juxtaposition that I'm in. Like, they, public health has to work with the families. So I'm not going to piss them off like too yeah. much yeah right but i also need to advocate for my dad <sighs> and for that 20 year old lady and the 46 other people and there will be more cases yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. there will be cases outside of new brunswick just give yeah. it time because yeah. you know just trust me yeah. it will happen yeah. <laughs> I, I i know that we have uh we have a you know quite a number of very compassionate and empathetic listeners and uh and engaged listeners um, so mm-hmm. having said that, you know, folks that are listening to this right now, if they're listening and feeling like, okay, 
I, I, how can I help? How can I make a difference? How can I be involved yes. in the advocacy here? Um, do you have any, any tips or suggestions for those people? I do. So there's a few different things that they can do. Um, you know, I created a Facebook group called Mystery Neurological Disease NB Support Group. Um, it is a private group, so there are answers that have to be given to, to be let in. But for people who ha- are affected by this, know someone who's affected by it, you know, or if you're a medical professional or a journalist, you can join. And in there, I share information, news stories, letters that I recommend that you write um, to your government. Um, and if you don't wish to join the Facebook group, then, you know, write a letter um, to Minister Shepard's office. Premier Higgs, who's the communications director. And just indicate that you want action, um, <laughs> but also, you know, thank thank them for the things they've done already. Like, I don't want this to be, you know, a, you know, an assault on on this government because they have done a lot of good right. things to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to come across as like, oh, rah, rah, bad government. <laughs> but I really, you know, I really, um, yes, I did shake my hand like an old man. I don't know why. <laughs> but anyway, because <laughs> I am one, I think. No, um. But no, that, that's one thing that they can do. They can, they can write. Um, if you go to the gnb.ca, the government website, all of the MLA's email addresses are there. I've emailed them on a few occasions and had good response rates. Mm-hmm. Um, speak to your local representatives, you know, and, you know, mayors, et cetera. Um, and then share things on social media, you know, share, share this podcast, you know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like share, like share anything that you can because, you know, public pressure is important. Public knowledge is important. And especially if you're a resident in New Brunswick, because it's only affecting New Brunswick at the moment, this concerns you and right. you need to act as well. Well, Steve, I got to say, this has been a, a real treat to sit down and and to hear your side of, of this very bizarre experience that, uh, that, that too many people are facing right now in, in New Brunswick. Um, we are absolutely rooting for you and your father and everybody else who's affected by this right now. And uh, we hope that uh, you'll keep us posted on, on how things go. Um, and, and again, just thanks for, thanks for taking time out of your day to, to share with us so openly because it really does mean a lot to us and our listeners. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for your kind words. And um, I will share that with my family and my dad as well and, and the others who are affected by this. And I just want to add if I can, you know, my father was the type before he got sick. Like he was a very gregarious, outspoken person. Um, And I know in my heart that if he could advocate for himself, he would do it. And I'm just Mm. his mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and for others who maybe are are shy to come forward and are not a talker like I am, I mean, I'm just hoping that all of this is going to help. And I really hope it helps my dad before he's gone because, Mm. you know, there's, there's no cure for this at the moment. There's no treatment. You know, we've seen him gone downhill, go downhill for the last at least two years since though, since that seizure. And I really hope that there is change while he's still here. Mm. And, um, you know, and that, that's at the bottom, that's at the crux of it. Like, you know, six people have died minimum six people mm. at the moment have died and their family members don't know why. Yeah. yeah. And my yeah. dad is dying and we don't mm. know why. Like that's sometimes people forget that. Uh, Cause it, it seems to have got a little political lately, which is fine, mm-hmm. but we're dying. And um, yeah, people need to remember that if they choose to do some advocating of their own, um, you know, it, it will be a way to honor those people who have passed and, the people who are going, who will continue to pass from this until maybe there's treatment or or some way to to slow the progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah most certainly. Well, again, thank you, Steve. Yeah, this thanks, really Steve. does mean a lot. Yeah, thank you. Oh wow. That was an epic conversation. <clears throat> I know the audio wasn't the greatest there, and that's um, 
you know, that is a byproduct of uh, COVID. So blame COVID, not us. All right. Um, but the even though the audio was a bit hairy at points, fuck, was it ever worth having that conversation? What a Wasn't wild it? scenario. And hey, hey, you made it this far. So clearly you were engaged enough and it didn't bother you that much. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, we right. love you. And we especially love you if you are one of those folks who listen on Apple Podcasts and you've left a rating and a review, uh, or maybe one of those folks who listen on Spotify and have clicked the follow button, uh, or maybe you just love watching us on Fridays and so you're not hearing this, but uh, we know that if that's you <clears throat> and you're only tuning in on Fridays over on YouTube, that you've probably already hit subscribe and uh, press that bell icon so you know that when we put a video up, you're right there, ready for it, you're ready yep yep and if you if you want to let us know anything if you want to get in touch send us a letter at letters at sickboypodcast.com you can do that if you're one of our geriatric listeners if you're one of our listeners Uh, under 25 uh, my grandfather thinks that covid made him gay you can check us out on tiktok to see that it's a bcc if you if you are one of our listeners under 25, you can slip into those DMs and send us a message on Instagram. If you want to be a guest on the show, go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and fill out the guest form. And, uh, you know, we'll be uh, probably getting a Snapchat later this week. So if you want to snap us, you can probably Love do that those too. Filters. <laughs> a huge thank you to the people who make this show happen. Taylor McGilvery, Jeremy Saunders, and me, we're, we're your three lovable, laughable ho- hosts with the most, right? And a uh, huge thank you to Lauren Sankey for putting up with us because we're like this. And uh, a huge thank you to Jeff Lonis for being our manager. Donovan, the meerkat Morgan, does the amazing sound design on this show. And Rich O'Coin does the theme music. No, Guys, dude, no. Take part Rich, does the theme music. Rich O'Coin does the theme music on Friday episodes. And Wednesday episodes. Let's, this is a but take part. This is a Monday this episode, is, this Brian. Is a, this is a uh, look podcast at the fucking ca- production look at the calendar. Look at, the, look at the calendar. What day is it today? Just tell me. Fucking tell me. I'm just going to start saying. Well, today it is thank Friday. Thank you to the people who do this on Friday, June 25th. On various it, episodes. It, it's Monday. It's usually Monday when this comes out. So thank you. I just feel like I should thank Rich more anyway because Take Part's not even a band anymore. And it you know, makes it's me sad. Uh, Taylor just left the fucking call. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, you know what's funny is Donovan messaged me the other day. He texted me. He's like, Brian keeps thanking uh, Rich on the Monday episodes. Am I fucking up? Like, should I be putting Rich's music on? And I'm like, no, dude. Just keep it, keep it the fucking... <laughs> Intro that we've had and the outro that we've had for six years. Brian just needs. But there's also Wednesday episodes too, which is. But this isn't that. (laughs) Guys, 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 wrap it up. Hey, I don't know, guys. I just, I just. I'm so sorry, Steve. I'm so sorry, Steve, that Brian ruined the outro to your episode. Steve, you're not even listening right now, anyway. So uh, yeah, he's taking care of his. He's trying to take care of his old man. He's fucking trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Hey, big thank you. Is listening. <laughs> big thank you to Steve for being our guest today. A big thank you to everybody who's still oh, listening. Fuck. And if you're listening, uh, send us a, a letter at letters at sickpointpodcast.com oh and let us know. <laughs> okay, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.